0: to the Panic Pod, podcast of talking about all things anxiety and panic. This is episode 5 and we're going to be looking at talking about panic attacks and what they are and what you can do about them. Um, if you do suffer from panic attacks, fear not. Uh, there's nothing in this episode that is intended to trigger you in any way. Actually, it's a very reassuring episode and with reassurance and knowledge... Panic attacks become less and less scary and empower you. Um, I am here with my co-host, the wonderful Elogene. How are you doing?
1: Hello, I'm very well.
0: Yeah, Yeah. have you heard or experienced a panic attack, or heard of someone who's experienced one?
1: Yeah, so um, in I believe it was episode one, I talked a little bit about um, when I had panic attacks back in high school. not really at the time knowing what they were. Um, It wasn't then, but since then, I've realized that a few people that I know, a few of my friends have also experienced panic attacks, and um, it really helped to um, make me fully understand that that's what was happening um that it was in its own way normal mm. i guess um i had a therapist tell me yeah that was that was a panic attack that you're experiencing but the more people i got to talk to it just helped to reassure that this was something that more than just myself yes. experienced and um, so. you're yeah. right,
0: when you experience a panic attack it feel extremely isolating um i don't know if how much um the listeners know of, of my background but before i was a therapist and before i wrote books on the subject um, i was diagnosed with panic disorder um, disorder being a fancy word for it keep happening and so i kept having multiple panic attacks every day for weeks and weeks and it it was truly horrible uh, looking back now it's like ah i can see why now mm-hmm. actually what i was panicking about why i was having panic attacks and I was stuck in a loop but um, that, that said it didn't harm me or anything like that but it's a very uncomfortable feeling mm-hmm. I'd like to use this episode today to kind of explain from my perspective really what they are I work in my practice every day with people who experience panic attacks and if anyone uh, does ever experience panic attacks or anxiety attacks or even high overwhelming anxiety um, I'll share with you today what you can do about it and actually, what's happening in your body and stuff while it's happening. Because that really helped me. I think, like what you, you just said, Ella, with your therapist, was like, oh, no, this is a physiological response. Uh, this is okay, nothing bad's happening. It's like, oh, oh, other people experience this? Yeah, yeah, all right. Well, I don't feel like I'm going bananas anymore. Um, which is yeah. the scariest part was bananas, yeah. actually. It was like, I think, am I going bananas? Have I finally done it? I've broken my brain. Yeah. It's It's done.
1: <laughs> yeah. I've broken my brain, yeah, yeah that whole thing. Um,
0: how would you describe a panic attack?
1: Um, I understand that they can manifest in different ways for people, so uh, I can only speak to my own experience. But what I can remember about them is um, it's like an escalation of a feeling of fear that you've experienced um, at some point in your life. And everybody's had times where they can you know, they feel their thoughts are racing. Your thoughts speed up. You you can't... It's, it's kind of like being a Donald Trump in your own mind. You can't finish a sentence in what's going on. There's just like a whole bunch of things talking to each other and you're having a very difficult time rationalizing the situation. Um, but I would say a panic attack where it becomes a panic attack and not just anxiety or fear is when your physiological response, um, like overtakes what's happening in your mind sort of in the same way that um that like falling feeling when Mm. we're going to sleep and then your body like shudders to wake up i've heard that's because you're your mm. mind is falling asleep faster than your body's ready to shut down, so it like jogs you away. It's like a, a healthy thing that our body does to like jog you awake to to sl- yeah. to fall asleep slower. Yeah,
0: then, like I'm stepping off stepping off a curb or something, or and like. then
1: all of a sudden you kind of wake up I with know, like a shudder. Like, yeah, people can't see our Skype mm. conversation now, but I'm like flinching back from my microphone to try to <laughs> to try <laughs> to explain what that is. But but then so what I think is um a panic attack is when your body kind of like hits a threshold where your body takes over the panic response that, that your mind can no longer handle because it's just going around this loop. So physiologically, what happened to me was um, really shallow breathing, feeling like um, I couldn't steady my breath, um, kind of not being able to slow those thoughts down, um, and then um, just kind of hitting a point of exhaustion really when the whole thing is over, just to um mm. there's nowhere else for your adrenaline to go sort of thing. So it's like released it in the sort of hyperventilating mm. thing. And then um and uh and then yeah, usually just have to do something calming afterwards because you're just so burnt out as if you've just run like ten mm. K or something. You just have to like take a rest.
0: Yeah, I know, of course, of course. And um particularly with all that adrenaline. Um, I like to kind of look at I think we described last episode of anxiety being different things whether it's physical, um, emotional and, and thoughts um, panic attacks, I think of course you're, you're feeling the full force of that fight or flight response so we're talking about the amygdala mm-hmm. it releases, um, you know, it thinks there's danger and then the second fear and it confirms danger oh my god, I'm panicking, here we go And then when Mm. we get dragged into the confusion about why we feel a certain way, uh, when we feel hopeless and that the situation can't be fixed, um, that's when the anxiety escalates. So we have a thought, a scary thought. It releases adrenaline. Adrenaline then creates scary thoughts. Scary thoughts then release more adrenaline. Mm. And then adrenaline creates uh, more scary thoughts. And thus you get a cycle. Uh, But it's fine because... You're not going to be in that cycle forever. So if you do have panic attacks, the adrenal gland always exhausts itself. You know. So a panic attack in a nutshell is when you've got a lot of very loud what-ifs in your brain. What if this happens? What if you're going to go insane? What if you drop dead? What if you pass out? What if you get taken to the loony bin? What if this happens? What if your heart explodes? What if you're having a heart attack? What if you're having a stroke? Um, combine those very loud convincing what-ifs with... Sweaty palms, heart sometimes pounding. Sometimes your heart doesn't have to pound. It freezes mm. sometimes. Like, you know, it slows down, actually, sometimes. But, uh, uh, f- you know, p- tension, mm-hmm. muscle tension, sweating, lots of phys- physical responses. Um, muscle but spasms also got... caused by that muscle tension. Yeah, of course. And then the feeling you've got uh, associated, that uh, dread. Mm -hmm. Something bad is going to happen now. I don't know where it is, so it must be me. Mm -hmm. Maybe I'll lose my breath, maybe I'll die. Mm -hmm. Um, That's why a lot of people end up in A&E, because they don't know what's going on. Mm -hmm. Not all that's happening is really reassuring. It's just adrenaline. It's adrenaline pumping around. And it's got to go through that cycle of response. It's got to just be there, you know. It's sometimes Mm -hmm. it lasts five, 10 minutes, 20 minutes, sometimes an hour, you know. Um, But it's not hurting you. But obviously, back when I was diagnosed with panic so I had no idea what the hell was going on. Mm -hmm. what what is this? You know, what's going on? Why do I feel like I'm about to go bananas? So you've got that that feeling of dread, doom, as a lot of my clients call it. I just Mm. feel this sense of doom, Josh. I need to to kind of deal with this. Um, but most importantly as well I wanted to kind of look at it as a whole the phenomenology of panic and that is when you combine that doom, things are about to happen the uncomfortable sensations and the what if thoughts you end up in a really scary place and even though rationally sometimes you know this is just panic. You know, this it will pass. It always passes. It's impossible, physiologically impossible for the body um, to maintain that level of anxious arousal. Mm-hmm. But being in that—that's a panic attack. Um, I actually don't like the word attack. Mm. You know, really, being attacked. Mm-hmm. But um, I call it just an anxious episode. Mm-hmm. I'm panicking. Mm-hmm. You know, but that's kind of what it is. Um, when it, panic attacks become a real problem is when you have your first one and it frightens you so much that you then are stuck in a a place of negative anticipation waiting for the next one to happen Mm -hmm. and that is a lot of what um, anxiety Mm -hmm. disorders are about
1: dreading where am i going to be when the next one happens what situation am i going to be in am i ever going to be able to do this same thing again all of those thoughts correct right
0: correct yeah and ultimately Panic attacks can scare us so much that when we begin to fear, fear. Mm. Do you remember we were talking about the amygdala in the last episode where the amygdala remembers stuff, it remembers associations, and then it releases adrenaline to let you know it's a warning. Right. So I spoke in the last episode about getting on the tram. Mm. So even thinking about the tram or, getting, or stepping onto the tram, my amygdala was like, ooh, this is dangerous. Right. Have loads of adrenaline, feel really uncomfortable, and have the aforementioned symptoms that um, that I listed before. Um, but to turn it off you just got to go with it, you know. It's the same with panic, people then start to misinterpret panic as a danger in itself, i.e. I'm losing my breath, mm. i.e. I feel derealisation. Um, if you've ever had that, it's a really not a nice symptom where you don't feel like you're here, you feel like you're spaced out, feel like you you could hear yourself talk and stuff it's it's like a detachment from your surroundings Uh, people start to associate those normal harmless symptoms as the precursor to a panic attack you know, what if I Mm. panic so you've got panic attacks themselves which just episodes of panic if you're like me, I don't really call them attacks, you're not really getting attacked Mm -hmm. but also that um, given what you know so far Ella and you've been kind of enthusiastically jumping in with two feet about learning about all this um what are your thoughts on a panic attack what do you how do you think they arise given what we know so far
1: um well what you say about um the environment and the association with that to the amygdala makes a lot of sense because um i've never been someone who I've had friends who have that same fear of going on public transport, like the tube or getting an elevator. Claustrophobia that's associated with their panic. I I didn't have that. I had um, I would have. I don't know if you can consider math homework the same like environment, but it was sort of that thing of like, regardless of how well I'd paid attention in class that week, regardless of how much I felt like I had done a better job of, like, approaching that environment. There was something about, like, I had to get used to as I got older just sitting with it in front of me mm. and letting my anxious response do its thing and play out mm. was a huge thing for me. And, you know, it might sense to to some people, maybe some other people who get anxiety about school assignments or whatever else can really relate to that. But um, the whole exposure effect that we are talking about in the last episode where you... Um, acknowledge your anxiety response put yourself in the environment and walk yourself through your anxiety response in a helpful friendly way until it plays out that was what i had to get used to doing sometimes it was even just opening my binder opening the textbook to where i was supposed Mm -hmm. to start on question one and just sitting there breathing allowing all those anxiety responses to like do their thing until it allowing 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 yeah um so going back to your question, what what was your question? How how an anxiety re- how an just, anxiety attack
0: just, just finds your, itself? Yeah, or? just your thoughts. Yeah, where it arises. So it sounds like you, when you were experiencing them, if we cast our mind back to I can't remember is it episode three, the anxiety jug. Where does anxiety come yeah. from? Well, for some people they have an anxious response, but for some people, particularly in my life, uh, when my joke was full of stresses and worries, if you've not heard the episode I'll just quickly go over it, but where anxiety comes from, we all have a a jug that is a metaphor, it symbolises our ability to deal with stress, or our coping mechanisms and every time we have a little bit of stress we have an anxiety jug or a flask that we pour a little bit in so you might have money issues Mm -hmm. or you might have relationship issues Um, the examples that you provided, a lot of stress at school, the stress and expectations of exams, and there's a lot of Young children and teenagers that have panic attacks around the time of exams because the stress fills into you know fills the jug fills the jug fills the jug and suddenly next thing they're hyperventilating next thing they're having panic next thing they're worrying about why they're worrying. Mm. Um, And for me, that's kind of what happened. This anxiety jug, this worry jug, that's a symbol for our coping mechanisms. Mine was a, a very difficult time, so I had my first panic attack when I was at work, I think, which I mentioned previously. But actually, what was in my jug at the time was a lot. So I was primary carer for my little brother who had terminal cancer. And so I had that a lot in my mind when I wasn't at work. Um, but that filled up a lot of the jug. I had money issues. I had relationship issues. I just split up with my partner. Um, I worked in a very stressful job. I loved it, but I used to work with expelled and excluded children in a school. And you have little things as well, you know, like your not being on time or the weather not being great that day, or you're just worrying about stuff in your life. Never mind trying to look after your little brother who's very poorly. So I remember being in work in the kitchen, making a cup of tea. How very British. And as I was finished stirring this tea or coffee, the coffee acted as a stimulant. It triggered the nervous system. I dropped the spoon, and that was the straw that broke the camel's back. That dropping of the spoon was that tiny drop at the top of my flask, my stress jug, that made overflow. And as soon as that happened, my amygdala could not take the stress anymore. So my amygdala just went, whack, Have all of the adrenaline I've got. And subsequently, that made me feel derealised. I didn't feel like I was even in the room. I was worrying why I wasn't even in the room my heart's out pounding I could I could hear myself speak to people what a very strange sensation that was um, I had the what ifs and then all the physical symptoms the heart pounding the you know it's, it, it's everything people misconstrue panic as just heart pounding and what no panic is, is, is the thoughts the feelings, the dread, I just felt like something awful was about to happen and I didn't know why I'm just making a cup mm. of tea but mm-hmm. looking back on it that's what was happening and that's what i do with my clients
1: oh you you set the stage for that and it's like well of course it was just it was waiting to happen there's all of that stress in your jug going on Mm. there's all of that going on in your life and just one moment of not being able to hold it all together can just have the whole thing
0: like unravel Mm. it's so frightening i i I mean so So frightening the most frightening thing i've ever experienced the reason why it was so frightening is because i didn't know what was happening so, you, so you, you greatly said, oh, actually, it's about seeing, it's about allowing, it's about um, remembering what my therapist said, about just let this anxious response pass.
1: But... That takes practice, though, let's be fair. <laughs> like, you have to kind of mm. know what's happening a few times in order for yourself mm. to have that oh, yeah. process of thought. You almost have to have experienced it once before in order to go, oh, this mm. is happening again, Okay. And rationalising it, yeah, definitely. But
0: that takes courage as well, and it feeds nicely into the last episode. But where do you think avoidance becomes a problem?
1: That's a good question. So let's
0: say I have a panic attack in a shop. That's Mm -hmm. a true story. I have a panic attack in a supermarket, and then therefore I avoid going to that supermarket. Why do you think that becomes a problem? And I'm sure there's listeners of this. Podcasts that go, yeah, I avoid certain stuff because I'm afraid of yes. how I feel there Whether it's panic or feeling worried or yes. whatever Where do you think avoidance plays oh, a part? Oh
1: man, so funny enough, the same uh, podcast we were talking about, the jug initially This goes back to, um, I hadn't heard the jug analogy, but I had listened to um, this uh, It was one of these sort of Taoist talks uh, Concept of like Buddhism, Taoism, that type of thing he was um, talking about how, if you hold a glass of water for one minute, it doesn't feel particularly heavy. But if I told you to stand there and hold that glass of water for half an hour, it's going to start to feel heavier. The weight of the water oh, hasn't yeah. changed, but it's just the longer that you've held it for. And I think oh, yeah. I think everybody can agree that the longer you put something off, the the greater of a challenge it becomes, just because of the fact that you're avoiding it. I used it to have this more becomes yeah. more important. Becomes more important. Becomes more you ask yourself more questions about, well, why can't I do this? Like what, what what's like, you kind of invent almost more blocks for yourself mm-hmm. as opposed to more solutions. And mm. there's a, a, a quote that I had taped up in my room as a kid, which was, um, I mean, a lot of people have heard this, I think, but if you have to eat a frog, it's best not to look at it too long before you have <laughs> to, <laughs> before you do, which is, yeah, that same thing of like exposure is about, Jumping over mm. something, like diving into that response, mm. and allowing yourself, like, being willing to like let your body do the physiological things that it's going to do, and know that you're going to survive and it's going to be okay. Yes, and behind all of that emotion, mm. behind all that emotion, you know you're not going to lose your mind. You know it's going to go away. So those two things in itself should be there on the other side of that of thing course, happening
0: of course and that avoidance um you know a lot of people may listen to this who do struggle with panic they're like they might be saying right now yeah you're right i know i know now when i'm calm it's okay but when i'm in the middle of anxiety when i'm in the middle of panic i feel like you know i i fall for the same trick lying hook line and sinker which is but what if this is the time that breaks you and so we avoid and it's mm-hmm. about having the courage to go even go against that, you know, because I mm-hmm. honestly and um, respect and have sympathy for people that have them. But at the same time, you've got to realize they're there because it's the confusion about them that makes it frightening. I've had enough now to know even if I start mm-hmm. having an adrenal flood, which is another way of saying panic attack, I just know, All oh, right. well, my body's flooding with adrenaline mm. now. So now my brain is now full of what-ifs, and I feel tense, and I have a feeling of dread. Okay, nothing new here. Just go with it. And what I say to people and mm. new clients that come to see me, mm-hmm. because a lot of them uh, struggle with panic, is that uh, I'm, I'm panicking, what do I do? And don't do anything. What do you mean, don't do anything? It's like, no, no. If you do something mm. in response to the panic you're teaching it that it's important you know the same with avoidance don't Mm. avoid it just let it be there the magic rule in my practice is do what you'd usually do so if you're panicking try Mm. your best to do what you usually do you know it doesn't matter if your breath's bad it doesn't matter if your heart's going it doesn't matter if you're Mm. sweating perspiring it doesn't matter if you feel like this intense feeling of doom is about to to get you don't don't engage with it Uh, try your best not to and mm-hmm. it will actually pass because you're like no mm-hmm. amygdala shut up it always comes back to this amygdala shut up i'm not mm-hmm. fallen for this you know and let the adrenaline throw flu for mm. you and then the cycle end and it i does. suppose
1: yeah. i suppose what you can then do as well is like in a healthy way uh when you say that thing of just do what you would normally do if it's like a low level feeling of panic that might be oh yeah, I can just carry, I'm just going to carry on with my work Mm. and acknowledge this is here and keep going. If it's a higher level of panic, sometimes continuing with what you'd normally do just comes back to, okay, my breathing is very shallow. Let's try to normalize it. Let's try to make it a little bit deeper. Let's try to go back to how I would normally breathe. Mm. I feel my heart's a bit faster. What can I do to slow that down? Is that, is that healthy? Do you think that's a good idea? I would even go one step
0: further and say, don't even worry about it. You're not going to stop breathing. Right? Just, not don't, just don't think about it. In fact, a lot of yeah. paramedics are uh, you know, trained to oh, con- concentrate on your breath. Like, no, don't. If you're going to shallow breathe, you shallow breathe. Mm. Don't worry about it. You're not going to. Right, so, what's yeah. the point? Just some don't do Some people could anything, get more panicked. Honestly. Yeah. And I think that is the one that does help for some yeah. people. It helps ground them. You know, mm-hmm. I would say if you want to do something, mm-hmm. keep it in the present until it passes. So, for me, if I. I'll share my little tactic now, Um, what I like to do is I look around me and I just try and think of adjectives to describe stuff around me, so you know, like the shiny pearlescent car, you know, but people will know when you're anxious, it's so hot, and that's what's good about it, because you're literally shifting all your brain activity from around the danger response in your brain to another response, to the creative drawing on memories response, and that actually helps turn off the amygdala quicker Um, because the amygdala is like find the danger and you're like no I'm just going to describe cars, I'm going to describe the animal I don't want to do that Uh, (laughs) a a common one is five things you can see, five things you can hear, five things you can um, feel and again it's the the same intention it's to bring your thoughts Mm -hmm. into the present Mm -hmm. Um, you can cheat and distract yourself if you want, if it's helpful distraction Mm. do it so if I'm feeling really stressed and anxious or can feel it I will I actually play Countdown on my phone <laughs> which is a word game if you don't know what Countdown is and it's just about yeah trying to fathom um, letters from words from a mixed right. jumble of letters. So engaging it,
1: a totally different part of your brain doing something that's yeah. not related.
0: But, of course, but if you react to the to the panic as if it is a problem in itself then it sticks around. Oh my god. Yeah. Because think about it, people who panic actually overbreathe so they've got mm. too much oxygen. So they mm. might panic further when they're not getting enough oxygen like, oh, can't catch my breath massive huge symptom of anxiety but it's fine don't catch your breath you don't need to you're not going to stop breathing mm. you know, unless you run mm-hmm. off a cliff you're not going to stop breathing mm-hmm. um, and the, the body has a fantastic a, a brilliant um, ability to bring the body back to homeostasis it will right. always bring it back to balance and you should use Mm -hmm. that, so yeah, I would even go as far to say, don't even concentrate on the breath don't necessarily do anything if you're struggling to do what you'd usually do then use some techniques that bring you back into the present so like, my favourite one, which Mm -hmm. doesn't work for everyone, but for me, I love it, just like kind of you know, describing stuff, the fluffy rain soaked cat you know, and, and I do that enough and commit to it, I start to calm down also as well, scale your anxiety, yeah. you know, like, if you're panicking, you're a 10, fine, it's not going to hurt you, but when you start to notice it come down to a 6 or a 7, go, oh, I'm a 6 or a 7 now.
1: Right, yeah. You're
0: in the present, you're using stuff in the present to deal with. People with panic get carried away with the very loud screaming what ifs. hmm mm-hmm. What if you're about to die? What if this is going to go wrong? What if your heart explodes? What if you're going to lose your mind? What if you lose control, which is probably the biggest one. Mm-hmm i'm like no i'm bored of these i hear these what ifs every time mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know so that's what i'd say to people doing that uh, and where avoidance plays a part is that you've got to be willing to go to these places and experience it so
1: this was just one other thing that i that i did want to loop back to and talk about because um i took a while to also see that um that how related laziness and fear was for me or what i what i attributed just being laziness Mm -hmm. maybe when i was younger um because i think that laziness is a huge like what people consider oh i was being lazy is like a huge part of avoidance like procrastinating is in its own way Mm -hmm. i'm afraid to go towards that thing just to get it over with and to get it done this thing Mm. takes too much out of me to do so i'm going to avoid it Mm. for a period of time um and it wasn't until I I was very lucky I got to go to a workshop with this guy, Jamie Cato, who's written a book um, called uh, Insanely Gifted. It's sort of another uh, transliteration of Taoism, Buddhism practices into just like stuff you can oh. do with your everyday life, like a bit about managing anxiety, but just sort of, yeah, mindfulness, meditation, a few different things in that book. And people would often bring up in this workshop, but but don't i have a part of me that's just like the lazy part of me and he's like i refuse to believe that any of us have laziness because i think that your laziness comes from some sort of inner voice that's telling you what you're not doing right so you just don't even approach that thing yeah and that
0: and it could be part of being good homeostasis as well if you yeah
1: yeah like good lazy is yeah your homeostasis when you just come back to there's nothing to do and we should indulge yeah good laziness like when we should be indulging in laziness is like at the end of the day you know at Mm. the end of your work day you've just done a whole bunch of stuff now Mm. is a good time to be lazy like go be lazy
0: and what i found as well a lot of people who experience panic attacks they don't kind of perceive or conceptualize um laziness as that as much needed return to a state of homeostasis they just keep chasing the shoulds uh, again we, we can do a whole episode on that several on shoulds um but yeah how, the, the, how they they beat themselves up oh you're panicking because you're not doing enough in your life I and mean, etc and actually it's the opposite you know if it...
1: that's like rationalizing your panic in a really negative yeah. way it's like doing a very unhealthy Rationalization of your own panic to say that it's because you're not doing enough, not because you're exposing yourself yeah, to too and much. what
0: you were talking about in the last episode is about that. that you've got to be on your own side. What's the point in doing that? And and, yeah. and you know, in that internal dialogue is very important. And particularly when having panic attacks. Um, but yeah, if I was saying short piece of advice for anyone at home, if they are listening, if they are experiencing panic panic attacks, or knows anyone who experiences panic attacks. Um, Reassure them it's okay. It's just adrenaline. It's the amygdala's fired off for danger response. It's a false alarm. That's a good term. It's a false alarm.
1: Mm-hmm. It's a false Go alarm. Go with it.
0: Don't engage with it. Don't even worry about your breath. If you, don't, if you feel like crap, that's fine. You mm. know, that's absolutely fine. It will pass. It always does. And the body always brings mm. you back to that, to that state. It's not forever. Don't get drawn mm. in by the what ifs. What if this doesn't pass, what if this is me now forever I fell for that many a time Uh, what if I'm about to die Um, hence why so many people might end up in A&E or the hospital, my cousin Mm. Akira, she is a paramedic and she um, the amount of people with anxiety that she ends up having to kind of bring in when they're just having an anxiety attack um but yeah
1: man and if people were more educated and knew that this was the physical mm. r- response like that might not even end up in that situation if you just had people around you also to to recognize you're having a panic attack you're mm. you're alive you're okay yeah. bring it you're on to be fine don't
0: avoid it either just bring it on when you were when you know what's yeah. going on you observe it it's not that scary oh look there's those what if thoughts mm-hmm. oh look i'm sweating oh look mm. my heart rate's elevated mm-hmm. you know Oh look, I feel I like, like something false bad is going to
1: happen.
0: Yeah, it's a false alarm. It's a bit like here's an analogy for you, and and we'll include it on that because I don't want it to. Here's an analogy. Let's say your partner is about to change the batteries in your fire alarm, but you're busy and you're doing some work. Now your partner comes in to you and says, "I'm about to change the batteries in the fire alarm," and then going subsequently going to test that fire alarm. Now you're doing your work and you've got a deadline. You've got to do it. But you're like, okay, yeah, sure. Ten minutes later, you h- hear the fire alarm, and it's loud, it's piercing, it's distracting, and you can't quite concentrate. Yeah. Do you get up and run and try and look for the fire? Or do you say to yourself, I knew this was happening, I'm still going to probably do some work despite this this ringing.
1: And it's going to be distracting, and that's, exactly... and that's
0: okay. <laughs> yeah, you don't need to tune into don't it. Don't need do you? to tune in. Like, don't need to tune into it. That's what the great Sally Winston said to me. Um... A fantastic author in, uh, who's a doctor in the field of anxiety disorders. And she said, Just don't tune in.
1: Mm. You
0: know, just don't tune in. It's going to be on. It's like an annoying kid just chatting in the corner. You're not going to listen to everything it says. <laughs> says mm-hmm. them. My, my, my clients who are, who are parents. I'm like, Do you listen to every word your child says? They're like, no. Well, then, because <laughs> you've chosen not to tune in. Do the same mm-hmm. with your panic. Don't tune in. Let it pass Don't tune in. Cool. Any concluding thoughts, Taylor?
1: I love that. I think that's a very useful, um, if one of the many mantras that you could use when you're experiencing anxiety the next time is, don't tune in. Yeah. It's happening. Mm. It's a choice to tune in. Don't tune but in. But
0: do tune into this podcast. Uh,
1: oh, please yeah. make sure you continue to tune yeah. in to oh, Panic yeah. releasing. Other oh movies. yeah. And again,
0: the email is talk at the panic uk. Any questions for Ella yes. and I? We will answer them, uh, no matter how obscure they are. I mean, try and keep them uh, related to anxiety and mental health, but we will answer anything. I don't mind at all. Um,
1: Hey, and let's get the ball rolling. If you've been listening to the podcast and you like it, you have a favorite episode, send that in. Tell us what you've enjoyed. Even just that can help a direction that we go. Um, Or if you have like, oh, I'd love if you guys talk about this one day, send that stuff like that perfect, and that would be awesome do, as well because
0: yeah, we are it is a bit nerve-wracking actually isn't it you're just going to throw this out there and see what, see what people think for
1: sure let's just start the ball rolling and yeah. people can just yeah, say anything be,
0: yeah ask, ask what Ella's favourite food is or something like that as well. or ask a deep question. anyway sure. thank you for listening Um, we'll be back next time with episode 6 and look forward to catching up with you then thank you very much Ella
1: great talking to you Josh see you then bye
0: bye